Hello everyone, this is Pastor Jay Tyler from Holt Assembly of God, and I want to thank you for listening to this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. I pray that you are challenged, blessed, and encouraged as you hear God's Word shared in this message. Well, we're continuing in our, our Holy Spirit series, and uh, we're kind of drawn towards the end of the series. Uh, so as we get near the end of the series, we've been focusing on spiritual gifts and the purpose of spiritual gifts. Last week I shared a message with you. It was really an introduction into uh, the gifts of the Spirit, really providing some scriptural parameters for the operation of spiritual gifts. And uh, today we're really going to kind of build on the parameters that we established in that message. But first and foremost, concerning spiritual gifts, and this is something that I want you all to hear. If you don't walk away with anything else, then please hear this. Concerning spiritual gifts, they have not ceased and they are available for us today and have a purpose, a valid purpose for where we're at in this world today. So the spiritual gifts that we read about in the Bible are available to all believers today. And so therefore we should have a desire to operate in spiritual gifts. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is at the top of the gifts chapter, so to speak. But verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, Paul did not use the word ignorant in a derogatory fashion. You know, he wasn't saying they had a diminished mental capacity. That's not what he's saying. Paul uses the word ignorant in the terms of not knowing and not understanding. So when he says ignorant, he just means not knowing and not understanding. So let's face it, church. We, we all have ignorances. We all have limitations. We all, there are some things we just don't know. And that's why God, God inspired man to create the internet. God inspired man, I'm, this is a joke, by the way, just hang with me, all right? If you don't know something today, you just Google it. And if you're like my wife, if you don't know how to do something, you YouTube it. I'm just saying, if there are limitations. We all have limitations to what we know and what we understand. But in all seriousness, that applies to the things of the Spirit, to the spiritual gifts especially. You know, even as a Pentecostal church, it doesn't mean we understand or know everything about the gifts of the Spirit. So the Corinthians had this zeal to operate in spiritual gifts, but they were, they were ignorant about the gifts, the operation of the gifts, and the purpose, the, you know, all that. So they, they were really confused about the operation of spiritual gifts. So they had this zeal, but they lacked understanding. The Corinthians had zeal to operate in spiritual, spiritual gifts, but they also lacked spiritual fruit. We talked about that last week. They lacked love. So what would happen is the gifts would be an operation, but the operation of the gifts were very selfish. And what it did, it siphoned away the power and the purity away from the gifts. And that's why Paul advises the Corinthians to do, to do this in 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. You can't have those backwards. So pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And remember, Biblical love is a fruit of the Spirit. It will always manifest in selflessness. And love would prevent the Corinthians from being so me-centered. So when you see the Corinthians, you read about their, their operation of spiritual gifts, you can really see what is at the core of their desires, or what's, what's at the core of their desires is me. There was a me-centeredness, a me-focusedness when it came to the operation of spiritual gifts. So the Corinthians desire to operate in these gifts but they were deficient in spiritual fruit. And that can cause quite a conundrum uh, when it comes to the operation of spiritual gifts, especially in a congregational setting. So in Corinth, we looked at the example of the gift of tongues and how the gift of tongues were misused and they were misused selfishly. 
See, believers in the church were ignorant about the devotional purpose of tongues. Remember, we believe that there is a gift of tongues, but there is a devotional purpose of tongues. We call praying in the Spirit. That's when you pray alone, you pray to God in an unknown tongue privately. It's to build you up. It's to edify you. But the, the Corinthians had this, this problem understanding the difference between the gift of tongues and the devotional purpose of tongues. So they came to church and just spoke in tongues without any consideration for anyone else. Now, I don't know what you call that, but I call that selfishness. It's because they lacked love. They were deficient in spiritual fruit. They were deficient in understanding. So the gift of tongues, again, normally manifests. We want that to be accompanied by the gift of interpretation so that there's order and there's understanding so that we can be edified. But the Corinthians gathered as a church, spoken tongues, praying out loud in the Spirit. They really didn't have any consideration for anyone else, and this confused believers and unbelievers alike. And here's what Paul writes concerning the selfish misuse of tongues in a congregational setting. And this is what was taking place in Corinth. Uh, verse 23, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, kind of like we're here today, and all speak with tongues, and there come in one, there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Of course they will say that. So the gifts of the Spirit should never cause people to think we have lost our minds. That's not the intent or the purpose of tongues or any of the spiritual gifts. But unfortunately, this happens in churches today, Pentecostal charismatic churches. You, we shouldn't have gatherings of God's people together and people walk away saying those people are out of their minds. That shouldn't be the, the cause and the effect of the gift. Our zeal for spiritual gifts combined with our ignorance and a lack of spiritual fruit will always turn to chaos and confusion. And Paul corrects the church for their misuse of tongues. He distinguishes the gift of tongues between the devotional purpose of tongues. And Paul provides information to the church to overcome their ignorances. And he really gave them these parameters concerning spiritual gifts in chapter 14. Now, after giving those parameters, if the church continued to operate outside of those parameters, it told you two things. It really comes down to this. If they continue to speak in tongues and use it in a disruptive manner, either that person who was doing it was just still ignorant, they didn't know, they didn't understand, or this, they knew they understand, but they really didn't care, which showed you this, the epitome of selfishness, that they lack spiritual fruit. So Paul gives these parameters and spiritual gifts and they are very effective for us today. It can really help us navigate through the, the purpose and the operation of spiritual gifts in an orderly fashion so that people are edified. So Paul writes these, these words concerning, concerning spiritual gifts uh, operating amongst God's people and in a congregational setting. This is at the heart of his, his order that he's placed in the church. In verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Now, some churches today would hear that, and they may agree with that, but with the application of this, they would disagree. And here's why. They would view this as an attempt to quench the Spirit. We're just quenching the Spirit. We're trying to control the Holy Spirit. You can't control the Holy Spirit, by the way. He's God, okay? So it's impossible to do that. So when a church experiences chaos and confusion because of spiritual gifts, that's not the Holy Spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit. He is not the author of confusion. See, we can say, well, that's, that's the church or whatever. No, God, or that's the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So when we see there's chaos and confusion, that's man. That is the result of man. 
Let's move on to where Paul shares about the nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 8 through 10. And it says this, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. So nine gifts, and we can take these nine gifts and to really help us to understand how they connect and how they work together, we can really break these down into three categories. Three categories of three. So for example, the first group we can say are gifts of revelation. That would include a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So we can categorize those first three under one heading under gifts of revelation. Now all three of these gifts, remember, are distributed by the Holy Spirit as he wills. We don't, we don't own them. They're not ours. And they're for the purpose of revealing something we do not know. The second group uh, of gifts that we can classify, these three that we can put under this heading, uh, are the gifts of power. And it's the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and healings. We can put, classify those three together under the gifts of power. Uh, these gifts share and demonstrate God's power. Faith is, is one of those we may look at and say, well, everybody has faith, so everyone has the gift of faith. They don't. Everyone has a measure of faith. So the gift of faith is different than the faith everyone has. It is different from the faith that we have as believers. It's not the faith that, that we're talking about that we grow and we mature. There is the gift of faith. It is distributed as the Spirit wills for a certain situation. So again, the gift of faith is distributed by the Holy Spirit for a specific reason or purpose. Usually, it happens with this. When we're facing something where our faith can really crack and fail. Or when God understands this, our faith, our faith is fragile or weak. And there he distributes the gift of faith in that situation for a specific purpose. The last category we can look at are, are the gifts of inspiration or the vocal gifts. And this would include the gifts of prophecy, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, vocal gifts, gifts of inspiration, inspired speech. And I can understand why some believers might be inclined to categorize prophecy under gifts of revelation. And here's why some of us would want to put the gift of prophecy under revelation. And that's because we understand prophecy from Old Testament terminology rather than New Testament purpose. So if you, if you think about this, the essence of prophecy has not changed. It's God speaking to men, right? And God giving a message to man and then man sharing that. But that, again, hasn't changed, but the purpose of, of prophecy has changed. All you have to do is do this. Read the Old Testament prophets and their prophecies and read prophecy in the New Testament. You'll see they are completely different in their tone and their scope. So the essence of prophecy is the same, but the purpose has changed. And that's undeniable. It just, it, it, all you have to do is just read for yourself. You'll compare the two. And you'll find prophecy in the Old Testament, especially, dealt with the prophets of God dealing with Israel, with the children of Israel in, in regards to repentance, rendering judgment on their sin, and also revealing the coming Messiah. Those are themes that we find throughout the Old Testament prophecies. So prophecy in the New, New Testament operates differently from the Old Testament prophecies. Here's why. We, we see it uh, illustrated in the Word, recorded in the Word. Paul says this in regards of prophecy, prophecy under the New Testament. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 14.3. 
But he who prophesies, we're talking about the gift of prophecy here, he who prophesies speaks what? Edification. There's number one what prophecy is going to do. Edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Three things it's going to accomplish. A little bit different than what we find in the Old Testament. doesn't mean God's changed, but the messaging has changed, and that's because Christ has come. There's a reason for it. So now prophecy works this way. God, God wants us to speak prophecy, the gift of prophecy, for edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Prophecy should accomplish one, two, or all three of those. If it doesn't fit that, then you, you, you judge it a certain way. Because you judge all the gifts, by the way. Paul even tells us to judge prophecy. So if it doesn't edify, if it doesn't exhort, if it doesn't comfort, it doesn't fall into line in New Testament prophecy. So there are nine gifts of the Spirit. We can break those down again into three groups, but we can also break them down into three categories, practical use categories. So the gifts of the Spirit, for example, can be given for personal or devotional use. Uh, the gift of tongues, obviously. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge can be used for a personal use. Uh, faith. The gifts of the Spirit can also be used for the congregation, the gathering of saints. So the gifts of the Spirit can operate in our personal lives, and the gifts of the Spirit can operate in our congregational setting here this morning. But always remember this. When it comes to a congregational setting, the gifts must edify the body, not the person. The gifts aren't centered on the purpose. They're not for the benefit of the person delivering the gift. The purpose is to edify the congregation. And then thirdly, the gifts of the Spirit can be given for an evangelistic use. The, the, that is a perfect place for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation, is in, in an evangelistic environment. For instance, if you're on a missions trip, that would qualify as an ev evangelistic environment, Correct. I mean, what better place for the gifts of the Spirit to operate than when you're on a mission strip? It's a wonderful place. But don't, don't put the gifts of the Spirit off the table and say, well, I, I'm, I'm not on a mission strip. I don't, I don't plan on going on a mission strip. You are on a mission strip every day, believe it or not. When you go to Walmart, it's a, an evangelistic mission. Uh, when, when you go to your workplace, you are on a, an evangelistic mission. Uh, when you're in a social setting, you are on an evangelistic mission. Especially if people know that you're a Christian, you have a mission. You're called to, and you need the gifts of the Spirit in operation in those environments. So wherever people are gathered, and wherever there is a need for salvation, there is an opportunity for the gifts of the Spirit to be available. So we must never limit the gifts of the Spirit, and this is something that we have done tragically in the body of Christ. We only allow the gifts of the Spirit to operate here on Sunday morning. And that's a tragic mistake because there's a personal use, a congregational use, and there's an evangelistic use. If, we only, if we're only operating gifts of the Spirit uh, at a third of their capacity, that, that's a terrible thing to do. So if the gifts only manifest in a congregational setting, that would be an example of ignorance. We don't know, we don't understand that there is a greater pur purpose and use for the gifts of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can give you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom while you're in Walmart. I think that's probably a great place. But you may be shopping and you see someone and you feel like the Lord is giving you a word for that person. And you should go up politely, kindly, gently, and humbly to that person. You don't go, thus saith the Lord. I mean, that's not the, the way you approach this. But hey, pardon me. You know, I felt like I was, God just, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and asked me just to speak these words to you. And if 
I, I pray they make sense. You know, if you just come with hum, humility, you don't even have to have the right words. The heart will come through. And when the message is delivered, it'll be received or it will not be received. All right? So just remember that. Just humility is important. Love, just, just compassion, kindness, it'll, it'll guard you. So the, the Holy Spirit may give you the gift of healing while you're at work. You may be going to work this week and you find out someone has received a bad report uh, from their doctor. You know, it's whatever it is, it it's, it's, could be life-threatening. And you may feel inclined to pray for them then, and you should. And what if God distributes the gift of healing in that situation? Wouldn't that be great? That you hear a need and you hear a person who has a, a, a need of healing and you pray for them and God delivers on that promise. By the way, in that setting, uh, whether it's healing or any of the gifts in operation, uh, word of wisdom or anything like that, when it connects with that person, you're like, and you know it connects with them, next step is this, do you know Jesus? Do not wait on that. Even if they say they're a Christian, just, and I don't mean you press them, but listen, God is, I believe those, the gifts are really powerfully used in evangelistic opportunities. And so don't just deliver and use the gift, take it a step further, is do you love Jesus? Do you know him? Are you serving him? Just be led with the Spirit. He'll give you the right words. But in that setting, it shows you this, that the power of God is not limited to the church. The power of God is unlimited. The Holy Spirit can give you discernment when you're dealing with dark situations, when you encounter spiritual darkness. Some of you encounter spiritual darkness all the time. You may not recognize it. But we need to recognize it. And listen, I'm not one of those people that believes that there's a demon under, behind every bush waiting to get us, okay? But the gift of discernment is very important in today's world. You may come across someone that, that person, something's just not right in here. Something's not right. And there's a reason why it's not right. Now, if you're just a critical person, then it might be your judgment's coming out. But if you don't have that critical spirit, uh, the, the Holy Spirit might be giving you some discernment. And remember, these gifts are not natural. It's not natural discernment. Some of you could be discerning because uh, a pastor can be naturally discerning simply because of the occupation. A therapist, uh, anyone who counsels people, a teacher can have natural discernment. But that's not the gift of discerning between spirits. It's not a natural thing that takes place in us. It's a gift that he distributes, okay? So none of the gifts are mature developments of our own abilities. They are gifts distributed by the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose. So let's say you discern something. It's different about a person or a situation, but everyone else thinks it's all right. You either come, I'm crazy, or this is God. And remember, if God gives you the gift of discernment, before you go busting out any demon or anything like that, you better be led of the Spirit, because that's probably not the action God's trying to give you. God's giving you discernment to pray. Okay, so it's usually another gift is related to it as well. It's not that you go out, listen, you, if you, don't go looking for trouble. You know what I'm saying? They'll find you, okay? So in that situation, God may be calling you to go to war to pray for a person. So just, just remember that. Don't misuse the gift. So Paul writes these words in Ephesians six twelve, where we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, on our, on our jobs, in our schools, uh, just about any social setting you may encounter, if that vibe comes to you where it's just like something's not right about this person, maybe there's a conflict 
within that person, and maybe you're discerning that spiritual uh, component. But again, don't end up wrestling with flesh and blood, and then you find out it's actually a spiritual connection. Does that make sense? You're dealing with spiritual wickedness. That's why you need discernment. If you try to wrestle with flesh and blood, and it's spiritual in nature, it will wear you out. It will wear you out completely. If you don't discern that this is not flesh and blood, but you're taking it as a flesh and blood approach, it will just drain you physically, mentally, emotionally. It'll just drain you because you're wrestling on two different platforms, so to speak. So if you wrestle with spiritual darkness on a human level, it'll exhaust you, and most likely that situation will only escalate and become worse. So if you can discern the Spirit, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to direct you, and to give you wisdom on how to handle the situation. That's the next step when you're discerning a spirit. So church, don't ever limit the ability or the availability of the gifts of the Spirit to the church. They're, they're, they're available to us 24-7. The gifts of the Spirit should operate outside of the church more often than they do operate inside of the church. And that's simply because of this. We are here, if you only come on Sunday morning, you're here about two hours. Think about that. Two hours of the week for the gifts of the Spirit to operate. That's, that's not God's idea. The gifts of the Spirit should operate uh, outside of the church as well. So whenever you're witnessing your faith or sharing your own personal testimony, uh, look and listen for the activity of God. Just listen. Sometimes we, when we, we share Jesus and we, we're, we're compelled for that person, we have compassion for this, you kind of got to keep your other ear open as well. Look and listen. Wait for the Holy Spirit to distribute a gift. He may be assisting you, helping you to present Christ to that person. And remember this. When it comes to the Holy Spirit and the activity of the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus or the Holy Spirit will not exalt himself. The Holy Spirit will not exalt himself. He will not exalt himself. I know he's God, the Holy Spirit, but he will not exalt himself. You say, why do we know that? Because what we're going to read about here in the Word. The Holy Spirit won't exalt himself. He won't exalt the church when it comes to the gifts of operation, and he won't exalt the man. John 16, 14, or 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me. This is Jesus speaking. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will always glorify Jesus. And why will he always glorify Jesus? Because Jesus is the source of redemption. Jesus is the source of redemption. Now, we understand the Holy Spirit has a function in our new birth and repentance. But Jesus is our source of redemption. That's why the Holy Spirit will never exalt himself. He'll never exalt flesh. And when you see that taking place, you should take note. There's a reason why that's happening. So the gifts of the Spirit should never cause us to look towards a man. Uh, if a person's operating in spiritual gifts and they're exalted, that person, if they're mature, if they if they're, are, have a closeness to God, they'll quickly explain to people, you do not look to me, you look to God. So in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Silas were uh, ministering in, in Lystra, and they came across a man who was born lame. He was lame from the womb. And the Holy Spirit distributes the gift of healing, and this is what takes place in Acts chapter 16, verse 10. Uh, said with a loud voice, stand up on your feet, and he leaped and walked. So this man was healed. Now when the people saw Paul had done what Paul had done, 
They raise their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. The gift was legitimate. The man was healed. But the crowd were unbelievers, and they began to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods. Verse 14, but when, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out, saying, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same nature as you, and we preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all the things that are in them. They quickly turn the attention right back to God. We are not gods. This is not us. God is working through us, but we have no responsibility. We have no power in ourselves. So anyone who genuinely operates in the gifts of the Spirit will never take credit for the gifts of the Spirit. There should be a strong sense of humility that they should direct that glory only to God. Now, church, you may think this is insignificant, but may I remind you of this, that there once was a worship leader in heaven who had an ego problem, and he was able to lead a third of the angels away. So just remember that. If it happened in heaven, why can't it happen on earth? Why can't it happen in a church? Spiritual gifts are distributed to point people towards Jesus. And when I hear people say they have the gift of this or they have the gift of that, that really causes something to rise up in me. Like, either they're ignorant, they don't know or they don't understand, or there's something very selfish about them. That they actually believe that they have some type of control over the gifts of the Spirit, which the Holy Spirit distributes at His will, conflicting directly with the Word of God. See, many ministers through the years have been used mightily in spiritual gifts. I mean, I think of the Bible, think of Samson, did not know. Kept, he was used powerfully, but continued to abuse the gift of, that God had given. Continued to abuse his relationship with God. But God used him and used him until suddenly one day he leaps up and he didn't know that the Spirit had departed from him. Because enough of the man. Enough of it. You are at the center of this. The gifts only emboldened his ego. Only put the, the focus on Samson rather than God. So this happens in ministries through the years. We see men and women of God used powerfully in the gifts. But all of a sudden, they start receiving the glory that belongs to Jesus, and that's something the Holy Spirit will never tolerate. So let's do this. Let's turn our attention to the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to focus on one category this morning. We don't have time to focus on all three, but we're going to focus on the gifts of revelation in the remainder of this service. We're going to get, focus on a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Now, we briefly touched on some of those already, but we'll go in just a little deeper here. Um, I know each of these we could probably spend an entire message on, but uh, we're not going to be able to do that uh, for, for the sake of the series. But here are some examples of the word of wisdom. Uh, Paul standing before the religious council in Acts chapter 23, uh, verse 6. Another example, Jesus answering uh, a question regarding taxes in Matthew twenty-two fifteen. 15. Uh, the temptation of Jesus, uh, that is the example in his temptation, Luke chapter 4. This type of wisdom is a gift that cannot be gained through study or experience. Also, the wisdom the Holy Spirit distributes in the gift should by no means ever replace the wisdom God gives you. Remember, the gift of wisdom is for a specific purpose. A word of wisdom is specific for a time and a situation. A word of wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. A word of wisdom is also the revealing of, of prophetic future, it's speaking hidden truths of what we do not know. A word of wisdom is a supernatural perspective to ascertain 
the divine means of accomplishing God's will in a given situation. Furthermore, this gift involves having a sense of divine direction, being led of the Holy Spirit, to act appropriately in a given set of circumstances, and to rightly apply knowledge. A word of wisdom should always fall into alignment with the Word of God. And lastly, a word of wisdom works interactively with the other revelation gifts. Uh, the word of wisdom will especially work with a word of knowledge and discerning between spirits. A word of knowledge. And again, it's a revelation gift. What are some examples? Noah building the ark. Uh, Joshua knowing about Achan's sin in Joshua chapter 7. Elisha knowing that Gehazi had lied to Naaman, Second uh, Kings chapter 5. A word of knowledge is a definite conviction, impression, or knowing that comes to you in a mental picture, a dream, a vision, or by scripture that quickens within you. So some of you, God speaks to you through scripture. Sometimes God will speak to you through visions and pictures, impressions. So God speaks to us differently. He uses the, the gift of knowledge in those avenues. He, he understands who we are individually, and he distributes those gifts likewise. So it's a supernatural insight of understanding of circumstances, situations, problems, or a body of facts by revelation. That is, without the assistance of any human resource, it is solely by divine aid. Simply, you learn something that you just couldn't know. It had to come from God. Furthermore, a word of knowledge can be the revelation of a divine will or plan of God. So it involves moral wisdom for living right and right relationships, a word of knowledge. Uh, it requires objective understanding concerning divine things and human duties. The gifts of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge function together. Knowledge is the raw material, and wisdom builds on it. So the discerning of spirits, and I know we took a little time on this already, but the essence of this gift is recognizing what, what uh, is of God versus that which belongs to the world, to the flesh, or of the devil. For example, Paul recognizing that the, girl, uh, the slave girl in Philippi had a spirit of divination would be a great example of discerning between spirits. The slave girl was possessed by the spirit, and what she was saying was actually true. She was declaring that these men are from God. What they're saying, what they're doing, they're from the one true God. Now, people can look at it and say, well, so what? Well, what, what is that spirit trying to do? That spirit is trying to put itself on the same level as the apostles. He's sidling up to the, the disciples, so to speak. He's trying to le legitimize his ministry through this slave girl. And I say he in the sense of the spirit. So what he's trying to do is legitimize himself, putting him on the same team as the apostles. Paul, being wise and discerning of the spirit, said, not going to have any of that, and rebukes the spirit, and the, the girl is delivered from that spirit. The discerning of spirits is that supernatural ability God gives us by the Holy Spirit to perceive the source of, spiritual, or the source of a spiritual manifestation and determine whether it's God, the devil, or belonging to man. For example, just because a manifestation happens in a church doesn't mean it's God. In fact, if you know anything about Satan, he often duplicates. He'll often try to mimic. And that's why you have to be discerning of spirit because, it's, oh man, again, the slave girl was saying everything right. She was declaring the truth. But it wasn't by God. Discerning of spirits, it's not mind reading. It's not psychic phenomena. Uh, it's not the ability to criticize or find fault. 
That, that's probably more of the fleshly application of this. And we think we're discerning of spirit, but we're actually just critical of people. So to be careful. Love, again, remember, love is the key of these gifts. Discerning of spirits must be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. He bears witness with our spirit that something is or isn't of God. So that's why it's so important that we have a close relationship with God, a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because here's what can happen. We can become critical and call something of the devil when it's not. It's just us. Something we don't know, something we don't understand because our heart's not in the right place. It implies the power of uh, spiritual insight, the supernatural revelation of the plans and purposes of the enemy. So it is a gift which protects and guards your Christian life. When discerning between spirits, we should test the spirit. Give you an example. What does that mean to test the spirit? Well, observe what a person does. Just simple, Jesus told us, you'll know them, speaking of false apostles, false prophets, you'll know them by their fruit. You'll know them by what they do. Secondly, observing whether or not the person exalts Jesus as Christ, as the Son of God, as, as Lord, as Savior. When you start to hear people speak of God in general terms, but they, they won't utter the name of Jesus or as the Son, as coming in the flesh, as God, as Lord, as Savior. That should start to make you listen a little bit. By listening, thirdly, by listening to what a person says, does their confession line up with the truth of God's Word? So while I don't believe, again, there is a demon behind every bush that's lying in wait to attack us, uh, at the same time, we face spiritual darkness continuously. Uh, church, why would we ever want to allow these gifts only to operate in the four walls of the churches beyond me? They have a greater capacity outside of the church. Does that mean we don't operate here? No. It just means they have a fuller measure outside of these walls. Can you imagine how these gifts could greatly assist us in our daily walk, in the presentation of the gospel as well. Can you imagine if you had, you know, a tough situation and you're sharing the gospel with someone, you're, I mean, I just, I feel like I'm just, you know, fighting this and, and God gives you a word of wisdom or, or, or knowledge or something that you can then act upon. I mean, that is, would be a great assistance in that matter. What if this, you're dealing with someone who is possessed? Discerning of spirits would be very helpful. We live in a, a dark spiritual world. However, the darkness of this world in Western culture is different than any other place. Here's why. If you go to, around the world, you travel to some parts of the world, especially communities that have been isolated and have been involved in black magic for centuries, you'll sense a different kind of evil, a different kind of darkness. Our nation, while we have those elements, the darkness that we face is dangerously deceptive. And here's why. Because it has man at the center humanistic, man-centric darkness. Again, this plays right into the nature of who Satan is. Satan is the most selfish being you'll find. I mean, what caused him to rebel? I want to be like the Most High. I look at our darkness differently. While darkness is in other places, it's more, it may be more spiritual. You may feel satanic attacks, uh, demons, whatever, but it's even more powerful here because it's so subtle. And we accept it so easily. The darkness we faith is carnally clothed. And at the center of that darkness is our own humanity. In our nation, the God is me. Me, myself, and I are the unholy trinity. It's an egocentric worship that lies at the center of this. And Satan just loves it because he himself is pleased with it because that's who he is. We erect idols of ourselves, our wants, our needs, and our desires. And we bow down to them and we worship them. 
And this is the type of deceptive, religious, fleshly environment we need the gifts of the Spirit to work and to manifest so that we can effectively navigate through this and we can discern what is of God and what belongs to man. Now more than ever, we need the gifts of the Spirit. Once again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this message. It was an honor to be able to spend this time with you in God's Word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about Holt Assembly of God, please go to our website at www.holtag.org and connect with us there. Until our next broadcast of Life in the Spirit, I hope that you have a great day as you serve the Lord Jesus with a grateful heart.